Welcome back to Ecolution, and this week it's our second live recording from the Mutiny Theatre in Dublin. Again, we fill the auditorium with kids from 4th and 6th class, Skull Katrina Baggett Street. Our guests on stage were quite different from our political venture last episode. One thing we discussed in the Waste Ecolution was the importance of thinking about where our food comes from. All of us go shopping with our families and pick things we like to eat. But to make for a more sustainable, achievable food future, we have to think even closer to home and actually think about growing. Wait, Anne. You remembered my special day. Sure, how could I forget? And uh, what is your special today? Wernie Kiwan is a multi-talented creator of Orti Jr.'s hit series Dig In Diner and so many others. Oh, that sounds like a tasty dinner, bird. Michael Kelly is an author, a broadcaster and founder of GIY Grow It Yourself. We're back in Grow HQ here in Waterford for another year of growing, cooking and eating. He started GIY back in 2008 to inspire people to get growing themselves. So Karen, why do you think Mr Potato had a mobile phone? Oh, I don't know. Why? In case Mr Onion Rings. Oh my God. (laughs) Well, Michael Kelly, at least you're better at growing vegetables than you are at telling jokes. So stick to the day job, dude. Between them, they've created and achieved so much. And together they've written an amazing new book. DIY's Know It Almanac is the ultimate family guide to growing and cooking food throughout the year. It's everything you need to know about growing your own crops, no matter how small a space you're working with. It was illustrated by Fatty Burke and written by our guests today. Myrna and Michael, welcome to Ecolution. That's a really nice intro. Oh, that was lovely. Could you tell us a little bit about what exactly GOI is and how it started? We're, we're a social enterprise, which means we are a, we're basically a company that tries to do good in the world and we basically we try to get people to grow some of their own food because we think that the way to to get people kind of interested in where their food comes from and understand it a bit better is to is to try growing some of it themselves so we basically help children and adults and anyone we can to grow food wherever they can and we started about 10 years ago and it's been a, a crazy journey this is the the know it almanac here it's a big bright colourful and <laughs> fascinating book. It's not an almanac. It is an almanac, but we've invented our own word, haven't yeah. we, Mick? Because we're kind of know-it-alls. Well, we think we know it all about food and growing and everything. So it's a know-it-almanac. So it's yeah. an almanac, but it's also an almanac because everything you okay. need to know about food and growing is in there. We kind of lost the run of ourselves and made up our own word. Yeah, we've, al- <laughs> we've already got a couple of emails from people saying, why did GIY spell al- almanac wrong? But we did it deliberately. because okay. Yeah, we can know. spell, we really can. Yeah. One of the characters in the book is Monty Sheddington Potts. Could you tell us about him? Okay, so when we were sitting down to write this book together, we were thinking we didn't want to just write a book of facts about growing and food. We wanted it to be full of jokes. And we thought, who could we, whose voice could we use for this book? So Monty is kind of... Um, He's kind of a, a character that hangs around GIY. Uh, there's a few characters around GIY, aren't there? This kind of growers, loiters, loiters yeah. who knows an awful lot about growing, has been growing for years. And uh, we thought it would be a great crack if we wrote all of our kind of our story about food through his um, experiences and his kind of sense of humour. So he's a bit, he's a bit cracked, but he's great fun. He's a terrible poet. You'll see his poems throughout the book. Terrible poet, terrible. Yeah. But. Uh, it's, it's his voice through the book. He's the narrator. And now the next question is for Michael. How easy it, is it for somebody in the city to GIY? Where should they start? It's really easy. I think, I think that's the thing we've been fighting for years, like this, this sense that um, 
like growing your own food is always seen as a kind of a gardening activity and it's a little bit sort of stuffy and kind of horticultural mm. snooty lots so, of latin words lots of latin <laughs> words that you can't understand and lots of instructions and when i started growing my own food first i was like oh my god this is so complicated it's like really all these books are horrendous they're not explaining it to me at all we always want to make it as easy as possible for people and part of that is saying to people well you don't need a big, huge back garden. You don't need an allotment. You don't need, um, you know, you don't need a degree in Latin. You can just get started yourself and, and anywhere, any little bit of space that you have, um, you can grow your own food, even if it's just an apartment balcony, growing some herbs or growing some salads. Once, uh, I think Monty mentions it in the book, actually, met, met a guy on his travels who grew 700 euros worth of food on a balcony apartment in London. So it's it's all very possible with a bit of ingenuity yeah. and um, be like me. Um, I don't have a garden at the moment. I had a plot for a while and I don't have it at the moment. And I'm growing all sorts of mad things from kind of hanger contraptions that are dangling out a window. And I've got this kind of we won't we won't cut a window box because it does not look like a window box. But you can get really <laughs> inventive and dangle things out of spaces you have. You can use every space as long as there's light. I mean, you can really yeah. do a lot as long as there's light. Why is it important that kids get involved in growing food? When we started first, there was this, like everybody used to say, well, like kids don't know where their food comes from. And I've got all you guys know where your food comes from, don't you? Um, and and that, that's really changed, I think, over, over the last 10 years that children do have a much, much better understanding of where their food comes from now because of all the great programs that happen in school, helping kids to grow and to cook. And the really important piece about that is that then you know, children are the best activists. Like they go home and they, they, they badger their parents and they say, you know, we need to do this. And so they're like an army of kind of food activists that yeah. go home and, and encourage their, their parents to do it as well, which is the really important bit. Could you talk to us about what your first gardening experience was? <laughs> oh, oh, here comes the garlic story. Yeah, the garlic, <laughs> the garlic story is uh, getting another airing. Um, well, actually, my first gardening experience I, I had, do you know the bo- what bonsai trees are? You know, the little miniature Japanese things like I used to, I had an obsession with them in my 20s and I bought about 10 of them and they were like collectively about 5,000 years old and I killed them all in about <laughs> in about six months and I had all this guilt and shame about it. <laughs> so I was very put off growing as a result of that. And then when I, what started me growing was I, I came across a bulb of garlic in a supermarket I was about to buy. And I noticed on the label that it said it was from China, which is like, I don't know, 5,000 miles away or whatever. And I I was thinking to myself, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. Why are we importing garlic from China? And I went, I I decided I'd try and grow up myself and and hadn't a clue what I was doing, like planted, didn't know, you know, with the with the cloves that you stick into the ground to grow garlic, like which was the right way up, you know, so I did half of them upside down and half of them the right way up just to sort of hedge my bets a bit. And um, but just I always remember the moment of, of taking the first bulb of garlic I grew out of the ground and the, just the joy it gave me. And I was completely smitten by the idea yeah. that I could produce this food myself. It's such a satisfying thing. Like the first thing I ever grew was strawberries and I at the time thought like 
I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to have a strawberry stand outside the house. I'm going to make loads of pocket money. I'm going to bring everyone to the cinema. We're going to have a great time. Grew five strawberries and it took months. And I had the five strawberries in a little tiny little container that I had saved for my, for my sales. And I brought them into the house and I was like, I have a punish of strawberries. And my mother was like, mm, you don't, you have five. But it was so amazing because I felt like I had gone to the shop and like bought this thing, but actually I'd grown them myself. And they do taste better when you grow them yourself because you are plucking them straight from the yeah. plant and eating them. They're just, and it was amazing. And still, when I grow strawberries now, I'm like out watching them every day going, oh my God, is today the day? Is today the day? And it's just so satisfying. Like it's a yeah. great feeling. I suppose sometimes it just doesn't work out occasionally, but would it be important to know that if you keep going, like it's trial and error sometimes, is it? Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's a kind of a life skill, you know, and, and you make loads of mistakes. I've never met a, a grower, even Monty, I think, who <laughs> would say they know they know it all about growing. Like it's it's every year there's there's things go wrong and things go right. And the industry that I'm a part of, I suppose, has always been very bad at explaining it. And it, it's almost like it has to be perfectly done and you have to get it right every time. And in reality, it's not like that at all. Actually, you get wonky carrots and you get you know, uh, things going wrong and slugs eating your lettuces and things like that. And that's, as long as you stick at it, it doesn't matter. Like the whole point is not to grow all of your own food. It's just to grow a little, little bit of it. And then that has an impact on the rest of the stuff you yeah. buy then. And I guess people have gotten used to seeing perfect vegetables yeah. in supermarkets. And if you grow your own, you realize that like the vegetables you grow yourself or that you buy locally, if they're grown organically, can often be very strange looking, but taste fantastic and we've reused perfection and that's probably to do with the way things are grown maybe with pesticides and things like that or you know modifications in growing but actually locally grown organic vegetables can be really hilarious looking sometimes they look like I had a turnip last week that looked like an old man and it had actually it had a whisker that came out of its eyebrow and it was incredible I don't have a photo but like it was incredible so Moran when and why did you start to cook like what would be your earliest memory so I think I've always been really into food. I love eating food. I love tasting food. I've got a really strong sense of smell and taste. People think I'm like a bloodhound kind of, I can smell things a mile away. So I've always really enjoyed food and tasted kind of things more than other people. Um, we always cooked at home. Um, I was very lucky. My mom was really into cooking, so I always cooked with her. And then when I was about 12, we used to spend our summers in West Kerry and uh, one of the neighbours had a cafe where they grew all the food, the kind of similar to GIY to Grow HQ. They grew all the food in the garden. They had hens and I kind of got a little part-time job there. I thought it was great. And I just thought it was amazing to see like the lettuce coming in, being part of the salad. And the lady who ran the cafe, she basically taught me to cook over like six or seven summers that I worked there. And um, I still go down and you know, give a hand in the kitchen when, I, when I'm there. And it was just great to see all of the stuff that's served there is local. Like all of the cakes were baked on the premises using the eggs from the hens. It was just such a lovely way to run a restaurant business. And I really learned a lot from being there. So that was my first kind of foray into it. And ever since, I just I love experimenting. We had a conversation about this a while back where Mick was like, you know, my, he, Mick was saying, my wife can cook without a recipe. She just kind of goes to the cupboard and lashes a load of things yeah. together. And he's like, I need a recipe and I need to know the measurements. And I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I'm what's a nerd, like? basically. <laughs> you're, you're trying to say that in a nice way. Yeah. Just, just say it out, you know. I'm like freestyle. I go into the kitchen, throw on, <laughs> throw on some music. I'm like, what's in the cupboard? Like, but I think it's about like being playful with it, like kind of going, what would apple and cheese taste like? You know, is that a nice combination? Would that make a nice toasted sandwich? Mm -hmm. Trying things <clears> out. And that's kind of where the recipes in the book they're seasonal 
using vegetables and, and stuff from the time, but also like they're playful and they're, they're not complicated. So you can kind of, if you're scared of cooking or you're scared of like chopping and stuff, you know, you can do it with your grown-ups or you can give it a go yourself, but they're easy enough. What difference do you see in cooking food that you've grown yourself? I've grown kind of limited amounts of, I've grown carrots, I've grown onions, I've grown, I'll tell you, I've grown spuds and that was really hard, I thought. But the satisfaction of growing them and then making my own chips with them was just like the most amazing thing ever. I, I thought that was very rewarding, you know? Yeah, we, like we always hear people say to us, James, if like that I grew something myself and it just tasted amazing. I can't, like, why does it taste so amazing? And what's, like I had a carrot and it tastes the way carrots used to taste or like it tasted like a carroty carrot, I, I heard someone <laughs> saying to me. And actually, there's there's a little bit of science behind why that why that actually is like food food that's grown in really nutritious living soil and that's eaten almost straight away after it's been taken out of the soil has got you know more nutrients in it and is healthier for you and tastes more delicious. Like that can be actually proven with with like a thing called a refractometer, which kind of measures how much sugar that's in it and so on. And as soon as you take the the veg out of the ground, my mother used to say to me. When you pick sweet corn off the plant, you should run from the veg patch into the kitchen to get it into a pot of water because it's it's changing straight away. So the thing that's good for you about that sweet corn and its sweetness is changing immediately. Uh, so yeah. the quicker you get it onto a plate and get it into your into your mouth, the better it's going to be for you and the, t- and the sweeter it's going to be. I tried to grow potato my, potatoes myself and I got a disease so we couldn't eat them. So. Well, the potatoes did. <laughs> yes. You and got a disease. <laughs> I didn't know the potatoes got a disease and it was... They just, there was like holes in them and stuff and it just wasn't working out. What is the craziest fact that you discovered about what we grow in Ireland? Well, I think the craziest thing is that we don't grow a lot at all anymore in Ireland. I think, I think that's the bit that we kind of forget that we've got, um, like, you know, from a, you drive around Ireland, you see lots of fields and you think we grow lots of food and we do grow lots of beef and we grow lots of dairy. But beyond that, you know, when it comes to vegetables in particular, we're, we're importing almost all of the veg actually which is terrible and we've got we don't appreciate the the vegetables that we do grow in Ireland as much as we can they're always on special offer in the supermarket which I'm allergic to and we had loads of growers we had about 600 growers you know 15 years ago now we've about 150 people growing veg in Ireland so it's it's very hard for them and it's Climate change makes it even harder for them because the weather is more unpredictable and so on. If we valued veg more and, and by growing it and cooking it yourself, I think you, you do value it more. I think we'd be more likely to support our local growers who do such brilliant work, you know. OK, so some kids just, they're, they're not fans of veg. Yeah. Is there any advice that you could give to someone who wanted to start eating and possibly growing some veg? Uh, I always think like start with root veg if you're not into vegetables because root veg you can roast them and they're quite sweet you can maybe dress them up with some balsamic vinegar if you want extra sweetness or if you want to have some red onion with it and that is a good entry into the vegetable world before you start going for all the bitter greens if you're not into Brussels sprouts like you know you might have to work up towards that. How how many people have hands up who who likes Brussels sprouts? Not me. (gasps) Maybe three or four. How many, yeah. how many people like coleslaw? Not me. Yeah, a good few more. So, like, I always think with Brussels sprouts, like, we, we only think about them as something that you eat at, 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 with your Christmas dinner. Mm. Um, but there's Brussels sprouts available in Ireland from, like, August through to probably February of next mm. year. And they're basically just cabbage. And coleslaw is, is actually raw cabbage and raw yeah. carrot. We kind of forget that. 
brilliant way to eat raw veg and, and you can use Brussels sprouts in, in a coleslaw by grating them up. So a lot of it is down to how we cook things, I yeah. think. We have we have a character in the book called Russell Sprout because we love that idea that it's one of those veg that really polarizes people. Some people hate them and some yeah. people love them. Um, so Russell is trying to get into the book all the time and, and isn't allowed. And then eventually at the end, he gets so fed up, he goes off and, and travels around the world and joins an ashram and learns how to meditate and all of that because he gets so fed up. And if you count, like he's like, if you look at all the pages, books kind of like, where's Wally? He's always trying to get in on the action yeah. be like, when's my chapter coming up? And I'm not going to do spoiler get, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. But he does, he does get a little bit of a moment in the sun at the end. Okay, which is nice. yeah. So it's November right now and most people can't plan past Christmas. Is there anything that we should be doing in the garden that might help us to DIY in the coming months? Yeah, it's a great question because, like, again, when I started growing, I was like, you sow in the spring, you harvest in the autumn. I was very, like, very focused around <laughs> that. And actually what you learn is um, you're kind of sowing all year round, actually, yeah. with the exception of maybe December and January. It's, it's You can sow all year round. So at this time of the year, you can sow my, the garlic, which I'm obsessed with, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sow garlic right up to the shortest day of the year, which is the 21st of December, I think. Um, you can still sow broad beans at this time of the year. You can still sow salad leaves if you grow them sort of undercover in a greenhouse or, or inside in the house. Um, so there's loads of things you can still be sowing. And then, as you, as you rightly say, it's all about getting ready for next year as well. So if you don't have a raised bed in the garden, get one. If you do have raised beds, like, get you know, you always have to feed the soil to to take to put back the nutrients that that you took out of it from uh, by growing food in it. And broad beans are really great. Like if you have a school garden or even a small space in your school, broad beans grow really quickly, and they're yeah. they're really you know a really enjoyable thing to grow because you can kind of see the payoff quite quite quickly, can't you? Yeah. But also like um, I know people eat a lot of chickpeas and a lot of kidney beans and all that kind of stuff for curries and things like that in Ireland. But broad beans are actually a really good bean that grows in Ireland that can be used in curries salads you can actually make broad bean hummus if you're brave like if they're they're a really great bean there are lots of herbs that we could grow even on our windowsills how could we use these to add new flavor to our cooking and to our meals that we wouldn't usually have I'm sure lots of people here have had herbs in their in their food who here has had basil oh yeah what's what what's the sauce that basil is in Pesto. pesto yeah um, and what, like, you can also make pesto from Brussels sprouts, incidentally. Or rocket. Has anybody here... Really had... trying to sell Brussels sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He's, we're re- like, it's about how they're cooked, it really is. Has anybody had rocket? Yeah. Very kind of easy a, to grow Yeah, well. very peppery like, kind of a salad leaf. So, like, I mean, the thing with herbs is that there are, there are rules, I suppose, that are out there saying rosemary goes well with this and this. But everybody's taste buds are individual. Um, and so you might like parsley uh, in a cake. It might sound strange, but you might like it because your taste sounds buds... sounds very strange. Yeah, it does. But maybe with some lemon, it might be nice. See, this is where the experimentation in the kitchen mix starts getting nervous. But it depends <laughs> on your taste buds. Like, rosemary is lovely with potatoes. And if you want to get some lemon zest on it, it makes lovely roast potatoes. We all know basil is good with tomato. There are lots of combinations, lots of rules. And in the book, actually, on the eat pages, we have kind of the history of how herbs were used, how to grow them every month. Yeah. Um, so we've picked our favourite herbs and they're all on the eat section. And one last quick question. Where can we get this book? You can buy it from GIY's online shop or you can yeah. buy it in any good bookstore all, all around Ireland. Stores. All bookstores all around Ireland. <clears throat> 
Even some bad ones. What? <laughs> the cheek of him. No bad bookstore it's available would stock everywhere. our book. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we designed it so that it's like the biggest, brightest book on the shelves. So you just can't, you can't miss it. You can't. Yeah, you can see it's really, really colourful. And it's like it's coming up to Christmas. So it's a really, really nice present to get um, or to give. Thank you. It's Thank really you. nice. The beauty of a live audience is that I don't have to come up with all the questions. Fire ahead, Skull Katrina. My name is Anna from School Katrina, Baggett Street. How did you make the seaweed dust from in the starter pack? It's it's basically a dried seaweed. So seaweed is a brilliant um, a brilliant thing for feeding the soil. Do you remember I was saying earlier on that if you when you grow food in soil, you have to you have to put back the the kind of the nutrients that you took out of the soil. And seaweed is a brilliant way to do that. So there's basically two ways you can do it. You can go to the, go to the beach and collect seaweed. Any loose seaweed that's washed up is fair game that you can bring it home and literally sit it on top of the soil and as it breaks down, it puts all that food back. Or then you can actually, there's companies who, ju- who basically dry the seaweed and then grind it into a powder, which is much easier than you can just sprinkle it onto the soil. The other things you can use, we talk, there's a lot of fart jokes in the book <laughs> and, and manure jokes as well. You're so. spoiling all the good parts. <laughs> So the other, the other thing you can use, and, and it was used for thousands and thousands of years. People used the manure from, so the poo from animals, hens and cows and ponies and yeah. everything. It's a dirty job, but someone's got to do it. And that, that also goes on, can be used to feed, feed the soil instead of seaweed or as well as seaweed. If you want to kind of collect poo from animals, that is, which is not so <laughs> nice. My name's Connor. I'm from School Katrina, Baggett Street. How long did it take for you to make the DIY cookbook? We were just talking about that this morning. It Too took long. a very long time. <laughs> so probably two years. Um, we did a lot of reading and a lot of researching and um, we probably had too many facts. So some of them didn't make it into the book, but we really wanted it to be bursting with information. So it took a long time, like two years. Wow, that's a very long time. I was very slow, basically. <laughs> you can only type with two fingers. Yeah, not one finger. <laughs> My name's Connor from Sixth Class. Who taught you how to cook? I suppose, like similar to what you're saying, I, I learned at home. My mother was is a very good is a very good cook, although she was inclined to overboil the Brussels sprouts as well, <laughs> <laughs> like most mothers, I think. Um, so I learned at home and just then experimenting and yeah. trial a bit of trial and error while religiously following recipes. <laughs> I think it, yeah. I think um, I didn't really learn how to cook. I just kind of watched and picked it up by osmosis. And that's the thing. Like if somebody's cooking for you at home, you can always just show an interest and like have a look and see what they're at. And I don't think you need to do a course or anything like that. I think just have your eyes and ears open when people are cooking around you, and you you learn a lot. Do you guys cook at home? How many of you cook at home? Yeah, Nearly them. everyone. I have a 13 and 11-year-old, and it's, it's a struggle to get to the cooker anymore. They're so into to cooking. It's fantastic. Like, And they're, they're actually really good. Like it used to be when they were younger, they'd be like, I'm cooking on Tuesday night, and we'd all be like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but now we're like really into it because they're very good cooks. Like, and it's fantastic. Hi, I'm Annie from Skull Katrina Baggett Street. I was wondering what makes the GIY cookbook different and unique from different cookbooks on the market? That's a great oh question. wow! Well, there's Marin? nothing. There's nothing like it. Um, we are uh, first of all, um, all the recipes are just using vegetables and probably dairy. Um, we don't have any meat in the book, and also it's basically 
everything you need to know about like when to eat at the time of year, how to grow it. Uh, there are crafts involved so that, you know, maybe how to, how to craft to help your growing. There are weird pages of trivia about facts about food that you will never have seen. Like the strangest things ever, like that beetroot was used as toothpaste in ancient Rome, things like that. So not only is it a recipe book, but it's also a weird trivia book and a growing book and a seasonal guide. It's pretty much like unique, I think. Also a very, very strange thing to use as toothpaste. Very strange because you'd have pink teeth afterwards, yeah. but it was. My name is Philip. What would you cook? If I had the choice to cook anything. I love making lasagna. Uh, it's a lot of work, but it's very rewarding. So lasagna is my favourite thing to cook. Does anybody here like lasagna? Hey. Hey, it's a winner. You can all come over. You have to have, you have, to have coleslaw with lasagna though, right? Brussels sprout coleslaw. <laughs> my my favourite thing, at the, like, I don't know, do, do most people have sandwiches in their lunchbox? Or do you get a bit adventurous about stuff? Do you get adventurous? We are, our two are, are kind of, they're, they're, they're more and more open. I think the more they, they grow and the more they cook, the more and more they're kind of open to trying new stuff. So we have, um, there's a thing called ribolito, which is a sort of a veggie stew. Mm. It's a fancy name for a veggie <laughs> stew. Um, and they take that off in flasks with them to school and stuff. So they're, they're really loving that, particularly in the winter when it's kind of cold and you need something a bit warming to eat, more warming than a sandwich anyway. Mm. Yeah, there are um, lots of great flasks you can get now. If you do make something for dinner with your parents <clears> the night before, you can bring stuff to school. You don't always have to go for a sandwich. You can get, get, a, bit, get a bit creative and use leftovers. Yeah. Hello, my name is Chloe and I'm from Skull Katrina. And I was wondering where did you still meet? I think we met at Bloom, didn't we? Maybe. Was yeah. it Bloom? Yeah, RT Junior used to have, well, we still do have a tent at, uh, at Bloom. And I was bopping around, having a disco in the tent. And then on my tea break, I went around looking for some plants and I think I found you doing a chat about boring the pants off something about, something about peas or something like that um, <laughs> the usual carry on probably talking about garlic the usual yeah. and I thought you know what we could we could have a great working friendship and write a book together so. yeah and I think we kind of both had the same idea we'd wanted to do a kids book for ages and you did as well and it was like why don't we like join forces Together then, we shall take over the world. And then we actually met um, Fatty, who did the illustrations, is from Waterford as well. So we met her down in Waterford and she was, um, her dad, John, used to do a lot of growing at home. So she was really into growing as well. And yeah, she's really into nice food and growing. And like as a, as a dynamic <clears throat> trio, we get on very well and we all have the same ideas about food and we're all really excited about food in general. My name is Megan from Skull Katrina Baggistry and my question is who inspired you to cook? I suppose it's a combination for me, between, um, my parents and then um, that cafe where I said I worked when I was a teenager. The owner um, was a lady called Anya and her cafe was called Cafe Anya. And she was Great a really... Name. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, uh, she was a real inspiration to me because she really showed me that there should never be a waste. She used to use everything. And I think I got that whole making a weird courgette sandwich challenge from her where I kind of find what's in the fridge and try and turn it into something. So she inspired me, I think. My name's Devine and I want to ask, have you cooked any Italian food? I love Italian food. I'm a pasta-aholic. I can't stop eating pasta. Sometimes I have to make myself stop eating pasta or I might burst. But my favourite Italian uh, thing to cook, as I said, was lasagna. And another thing I like to cook is a caprese salad. Has anybody ever had caprese Ooh, salad? Mm. Yeah. Mozzarella and basil and tomato. It's really, really nice. So that's one of my other favourite Italian things to cook. Thank you. Although, like most people, I have a 
a pasta maker that I bought with great intentions and it's in the back of a cupboard somewhere. It hasn't been taken out in eight years. So. I'll take that off your hands. Mine broke last week. <laughs> Hi, I'm Annie. Today we're learning about the DIY cookbook, which is all about growing your own food. And I asked the question, what makes the book unique? And I really do think that it is unique. What was going on today was important people were being interviewed and their thoughts of climate changed. Um, everybody in the whole world was will see them. My name is Yulan Rong. I'm from Skull Katrina and I'm fourth class. We learned about cooking growing plants and growing our own crops and like how to make our own food and going healthy and like when to cook food at the right time. We learned about how growing your food tastes better and it can help climate change. I really like the way they were really kind and like I think it was really nice being here. Thanks so much to Warren and Michael. Hopefully one day soon the Ecolution team will get down to Grow HQ and get growing too. Ecolution! Personally, I don't see what the problem is with Brussels sprouts. I like them. You know, delicious in salads, smoothies, crumbles. I don't see the problem. Who did that? Oh, dear. Man, I know everyone likes their own brand, but whoo! Hopefully I survive this and make it to next week's show. And help and Brussels sprouts. If you or your friends are working to combat climate change, let us know. Email junior at rte.ie and maybe we can feature your project in an upcoming Ecolution.